Four. Cape Talk Hiking with Tim Lundy. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm very well in yourself. <laughs> a bit of a delay going on there. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Tim joins the show every week around this time. And uh, Tim is a qualified mountain guide. And, of course, uh, we talk all things hiking. How are you? Are you are you prepared for the Easter weekend? Are you hiking this Easter weekend? I am going to be very busy this Easter weekend, which is lovely. I've got two hikes tomorrow. I've got one on Saturday, one on Sunday, and one on Monday. This is not the hike in the Cedarburg, is it? No, I, I did that last weekend. <laughs> Where do you get all the energy from? <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> I have to get the energy. Yeah. So tell me, um, hiking, very, very popular around long weekends, and of course, obviously the festive season. Absolutely, yeah. but, but But Easter, Easter weekend, it's not, hiking is not something I do. I, I apologize for myself. <laughs> Because I think uh, I would get a lot of benefit out of it at my age. Yeah. Um, but you find that that does get busy. It gets busy. Yeah. So people do. They come come to Cape Town obviously on holiday, and they want to. One of the things they want to do is go up the mountain, and unfortunately, sometimes they go up the mountain with not prepared properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we end up having to do. The recovery rescues yeah. of, of going out and getting them. Before we get into tonight's conversation, Tim, about hiking in the Cedarburg, uh, just give us a couple of safety tips for, for, for those people who are contemplating maybe getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning and uh, hitting the hiking trail. I'm glad you said 4 or 5 in the morning yeah. um, because at this time of the year, the sunrise now I think is just um, after or just before 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's getting later and later every morning, um, which is on the one hand a good thing because it means that you can set off later. Um, but in summertime, we have to obviously set off a lot earlier because yeah. you want to try and beat that sun. There's nothing worse than hitting a really big slope and then the sun comes over and starts baking you. It makes that slope just that much harder. Mm. So one of the things I would say is set off um, before. Don't set off at 11, 12 o'clock, um, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Hottest time of the day, a lot of people get caught out, especially on Platterclip Lion's Head, where there is no water. And again, another thing they don't take is water. So if you're going to go, take water with you. Yeah, absolutely, take water with you. Take a warm jacket as well. I see tomorrow there is uh, a twenty percent chance of rain. So it may, you may start out the day thinking it's a great day, but it can change within minutes. Yeah. And um, so always bring. Uh, a warm top and, and, and rain gear if you can. Um, good set of shoes and water. Yeah. Can't uh, stress the water enough. Uh, absolutely. But, but I would suppose with, with the kind of climate that we have in Cape Town, uh, us heading into the winter season and you're, if you're an avid hiker, you would want to have rain gear with you all the time. Absolutely. When, when you step out during winter. Yeah. So one of the things that you, that, that should always be in your backpack if you're a regular hiker. And even if you're not a regular hiker, things that you should always pack and always have in a backpack is rain gear, um, but water as well. So, you know, prepare for everything. Hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Sure. And and make sure that you have everything covered because Cape Town especially, the weather can change within minutes and it, and it catches a lot of people out. So, yeah. yeah, even if it is a nice sunny day, take a rain jacket. Okay. You never know. So, uh, Tim, 
Lundy is a regular guest on the show. He is a qualified mountain guide and he joins us. Uh, your calls on 021-446-0567. Your WhatsApp messages to 072 Five six seven one five six seven. You can also send us your SMSs on 31567. And, of course, uh, if you have any questions uh, for term yeah, uh, hiking-related questions, uh, you can uh, obviously use those numbers. Now, we had a bit of a safety chat now, Tim. Let's uh, look at uh, some of the rescues that you would like to inform us about. Yeah, look, this week has um, thankfully been relatively quiet. I think at this time of the year it does... T- quietened down but in saying that we have the easter weekend coming up so just again be vigilant be be prepared um the mountains are going to be busy um if you can try and avoid lion's head it is busy i was up there two days ago with a client and it was manic Uh, the there are a lot of exposed areas and people were doing some really silly stuff People get impatient at the ladders and they start climbing up the rocks. Please don't climb up the rocks. Are you are you advising people to to actually hike on Lion's Head? Because I know there's 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 been concerns, especially around the quality of the workmanship uh, with regards to the uh, repairs yeah. that went on on Lion's Head. Well, Jeremy, Lionhead. I'm glad that you brought it up because I, when I was up there the other day, um, I have noticed. Um, you know, there was this controversy with all these new staples that they've put. Right. And when I went up there on Wednesday or Tuesday, the the staples have gone. They've taken those staples away. So the original staples are still there. The chains are still there. Um, it is still a very tricky route up. But if you're able to do it, do it. Do it carefully. Do it slowly. Don't rush it. And if you possibly can, try and not come down them. Coming down them is a lot more difficult than trying to go up. So when I had the client, I took him up the staples and brought him down the the easier route. It's a little bit longer, not that much longer, but you get just nice views as well and um, definitely a a safer route to come down because it was starting to get dark as well. We were up there in late afternoon. He wanted to be up there for the sunset. Let's rather actually get further down, get um, away from the ladders and the chains and everything like that so that when it's dark, the path is not as tricky. In your professional opinion, and I know I'm going to be putting you on the spot here, but bear with me, yeah. uh, Tim. Uh, in your professional opinion, should we just not leave Lion's Head closed for a longer period until all these concerns have been sorted out? In my professional opinion, I do believe they should close it down and repair it to the point where it's safe. There were sections on Tuesday that I felt still need attention um, there's a section right near the top where there's a gigantic drop-off just a meter and a half away from where the path actually goes. And there's no barrier whatsoever that's actually stopping. I do believe, though, that Sandparks are actually in talks with the right kind of channels and that they are doing everything there is possibly to do. I think they definitely need to be given a bit of a break. They've been given a really hard time. And I think they definitely need to just be – I think we need to bear with them a little bit longer – I'm trying to contact them to basically on the show try and have uh, a section like we do with the rescue section about what ta- about what Sam Parks are actually doing on on the mountains, not just Lion's Head, but the whole park and and what's happening because I think people really want to know if sections have been closed down, why they've been closed down because there are these stories floating around that they're doing it um, out of spite and they're not. They're doing it to try and protect us and to to look after us and that's what their job is 
to do. So I think they need a, a voice, and um, I'm offering to to be that voice where we just do a bit of a, a brief update mm-hmm. every week as to things that are happening in the park so people, the public know what's going on. Okay. Uh, let's move on to hiking in the Cedarburg. So you were there this past weekend. Tell us about it. Well, it's my happy place. <laughs> I, I could spend all... All my life in the Cedarburg, it's it's an amazing place. So we, I had organised a, a weekend um, trip for sixteen people to go up, and the first day you well, you stay in relatively nice accommodation. When it comes to sort of mountain accommodation, it's definitely up there with the best. Um, you've got microwave and all that kind of stuff, and nice bedding, and so it it we we always go up on the Friday, and everyone gets to chat with each other and sort of relax and because it is a long drive um, when we went up we had to go the back route because they are actually working on the pass coming from the N7 what they didn't tell me was that it reopens every day at 4 o'clock <laughs> <laughs> so I had people arriving at 9 o'clock because the back entrance from C- from series yeah yeah, I'd, I'm surprised um, our car is actually still going because <laughs> it got. <laughs> I I don't think I've been ever so nervous on a road in my life. It is a shocking road to come in through the back area, especially if you're not in a four by four. Right. Um, but yeah, so they they are working on the road coming through, and it is now better than it used to be because when we left, we could we could leave that way. Mm. So the eight cake pass has now been tarred, which okay. is makes a huge difference. But, um, yeah, so we, we then did uh, Wolfberg Cracks on the Saturday, and then we did um, Maltese Cross on the Sunday. Okay. And and talking about the, the particular tracks and mentioning those names right now, uh, are, what are the other kinds of walks and trails that uh, that is up there in the Cedarburg? Well, this is why I like the Cedarburg so much, because <laughs> the variety is just um, – there's, there's so much. I mean, there's Snewberg, which I have not conquered yet. Okay. Um, which is a great reason to we'll go say back. say Why? Uh, well, it's at over 2,000 meters above sea level, and the climb up to it, um, to Snewberg Hut, I always say it's a mountain on top of a mountain. Because okay. you get to the hut and you look and you're like, seriously, is this? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've climbed a mountain, and I have, and I've got another one in front of me. So I just haven't had the opportunity to go up there. Um, I came very close once when I was actually doing my guiding course, and my assessment, um, but I was quite ill so we had to divert and right. and skip it all together so okay so there there, there is a, a large variety of walks and trails uh, yeah i know there's in the there, there is some um, crystal pools there's uh, well, will there be, cross will there be something for someone like me and and i'm a bit bit of a physical slob <laughs> i sit in this chair i'll now go get into my car i'll get home i'll go and sit on the couch and i might walk to the shop tomorrow morning if i want to or get into my car is there something that is easy enough for someone who is, is not as physical yeah as there is there is sections where where they've got roads uh, gravel roads that you can just stick on and they're, they're relatively flat um and it's nice to just get out there and just walk and actually see because the vegetation and the rock formations will blow your mind. They they really are. I mean, I'll I'll show you pictures soon about what what we saw. And um, I was I always call it the sort of wow moment when we go into the Wolfberg cracks, and everyone's going, "This walk is so amazing! It's brilliant!" And like you haven't seen anything yet. Wait until we get to the cracks, and then you just you you get inside these cracks, and they when you're standing there, the top of the mountain above you to the top of the crack. It's probably about 15, 16 stories high. Mm. 
So okay. you kind of feel very insignificant, but you're right. also inside a mountain. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a quite an experience. For the for the water lovers, are, do we have an abundance of waterfalls uh, in the Cedarburg? Mm, there are lots around, but on on the particular routes we did, um, there wasn't. So both walks, we had to take lots of water. Um, and you should again take lots of water anyway. Of course. Of course. But um, down at Suntrift where we stayed, there is a nice river. And every time that I've ever gone there, whether it be winter or summer, that river's always flowing. So lots of water down below. But on the walks themselves, like if you go to Wolfburg Arch, which is still closed at the moment because there was fires in 2016. Mm-hmm. And this just gives you an idea of how there is very little water in the Cedarburg that it's now been coming up for a year and a half since that fire and the vegetation looks like it burnt two months ago. Mm. When you go into Lion's Head, you can see lots of new growth coming through. You go to the Cedarburg, it's a year and a half later and there's very little new growth that's coming through. So it takes a long time. So they've, that's why they've stopped Wolfburg um, Arch, the route, to right. try and let the land you know, regenerate itself. Okay. What is the best time of the year to hike in the Cedarburg? So there, I would say like now, um, definitely the worst time to, to hike there is um, summer because it can get up into the 40s quite easily. And you don't want to be up there when it's in the 40s. It gets really, really hot um, and very dry. So in the middle of winter, people do go up in winter and go hike, um, but it has its challenges because Snewberg Hut itself is just a roof coming away from a rock with a stone wall and straw on the ground. Sounds amazing. It (laughs) sounds amazing. My guest is uh, Tim Lundy. He is a regular on the show. The feature is called Hiking with Tim Lundy. And uh, Tim is a qualified mountain guide. If you have any questions for Tim, you can give us a call on 021-446-0567. You can also send us a WhatsApp message to 072-567-1567. The SMS line is open on uh, 31567. Tweet the show at Cape Talk. 1567, you can SMS us to 31567. My guest is Tim Lundy. Hiking with Tim Lundy is uh, the regular feature here on The Tonight Show. And uh, he is a qualified mountain guide. And Tim was out uh, hiking in the Cedarburg last week. And we were talking about Wolfburg cracks just before uh, the break. And during the break, I had a wow moment. (laughs) Tim showed me a photo. It's majestic. It is very, very majestic. And it kind of... You... Yeah, it, you, it takes your breath away because you just realize how insignificant we yes. really are yes. and, and how we get so excited about cell phones and all sorts of things around the city. And then you, you go back to something that is as primitive and, and ancient as the cracks. And you just, yeah, you, you can't help. I mean, I said to everybody in the group, I said, when you get there, you're going to go, wow. And of course, they did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you saw the photograph. Yeah, and, and I went, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it's and 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 I think this is something that that would motivate me uh, to go hiking or at least to attempt to go hiking is the fact that you really get in touch with who you are as as just a human being. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you 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 shed all these all the fakeness, all the social media, the cell yeah. phones, and you're just connecting with nature. Yeah. And and this is the beauty of it. And and you get to realize how how really vulnerable and fragile you are as a human being. Exactly. Yeah, I mean it is a it is quite a journey that we go on and it's probably about 5 hours. I will say though the, it isn't a 
a walk in the park in order to get to the cracks. Mm-hmm. It is probably, I would describe it as plutter clip on steroids. Wow. So it is, it is quite a steep climb to get to it. It kind of reminds me very much of plutter clip, um, but much nicer, mm. much, much nicer. You were telling me during the break as well that uh, the section, the, the photo you showed me, Wolfberg Cracks, Yeah, that uh, there's another section that is seven stories high, and you actually find rock paintings in that vicinity of the Cedarburg as well. Can you, can you tell us a little bit well, about so that? So the Cedarburg is an amazing place. I mean, I've been to lots of different places in the Cedarburg, and there's so much more that I haven't seen. Um, Tafelberg is another mountain that I've never been to in the Cedarburg. Um, but I've gone to a lot of places where there are a lot of caves with rock paintings. That you can just, I mean, when you sit there and you, you look out over the plains, you can just begin to imagine what it must have been like for these guys to live out there and live off the land and have wild animals running around. Even when we were there, there were buck, mm. there was leopard print. Um, so there was evidence of leopard being around. Just, yeah, a black eagle flew past us. Wow. You know, and the wingspan that if you stretch your arms out, you wouldn't be able to do yeah. wingtip. To, yeah. wing to, to see that, and I mean, I took my daughter with me, and I took, um, there, were other, there were three other kids with us that did it, and they also get that wild moment. And, uh, you know, when I first did it, my father took me, I was 12 years old, and my daughter's now 12, and she's got to see it as well. And, yeah, I think she, she gets it as well. You, it, it'll be something that'll stay with you for the rest of your life, because it is a really magical place. And it's not just the cracks, it's everything in the Cedarburg. It is very unique to the rest of the Western Cape. Um, the rock formations are just incredible. Um, you, you, you end up taking way too many photographs sure. because you just can't stop. Mm. It's, mm. Um, at one point I was taking a photograph of everyone and then I realized I couldn't take the photograph because everyone was taking photographs of me taking a photograph. <laughs> I had about 10 people with their phones out. Oh, it looked like a bit of a silly photograph. <laughs> so that's, that's the effect it has on you, that you want to sure. try and share that, that moment. And, uh, and capture it. Yeah, and, and I mean, the photographs that. are lovely, but they do not come close to what it is actually like to be, be in, in the Cedarburg. And to experience it, it is kind of a spiritual kind of feeling. Absolutely. Talking about getting into the Cedarburg, uh, accommodation, what kind of accommodation do we have in, in the Cedarburg? Yeah, look, there's, there's Clipace, there is Algeria, they've got a campsite, and then there's Suntrift, which is quite a well-known one. And Suntrift have, over the years, you know, when I first went there when I was 12, there was just a farmhouse, that the original farmhouse of the completely done it up when when i went there there was no electricity there was no bridge to get over the river you had to drive through the river which uh, as a child i remember was quite a scary (laughs) experience um but there is now a bridge and there's now a whole campsite and there looks like they're going to expand on the campsite because it is so popular when we were there the campsite was full and lots of cottages so they've got two sleeper two bedrooms single bedrooms all with fantastic views all with bry facilities, all with um, fridges and microwaves and hot showers and stuff like that. So Sounds like my kind of place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everyone was very worried when, when I, they said, what's accommodation like? And I said, no, it's, it's okay. 
And then they got there. And like, this place is really impressive. <laughs> I'm like, I was scoring big points. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, talking about being impressive, uh, also talking about people who, who would love to go into nature, but there are some of us, we don't have the stomach for uh, wildlife, especially the creepy crawly kind. So I received a message from Michelle in Komiki. Thank you, Michelle. Jeremy, how many snacks? Tim? <laughs> okay. So look, the Cedarburg does have snakes. I have yet to see any in the Cedarburg. I've been back quite a few times. Not to say that they're not there. It's just when they hear us coming, they disappear. The only one that sometimes doesn't disappear is the puff adder. Oh. So they kind of stick around. Um, in wintertime, they disappear. And I think it was a bit too cold for them when we were there. Even last weekend, it was a little bit too cold. So they're kind of going into hibernation now. They don't, they don't stick around. Middle of summer, Definitely going to be snakes around, but um, well, you're just going to keep your eyes peeled. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a, a very silly question. What do you do when you encounter a snake in the wild? Not a silly question at all. <laughs> um, if you do, look, if you haven't stepped on it already, yeah. and you see it sort of rear up or, or sort of hiss at you or whatever, and you have the space to, to back away, stop obviously advancing on it. The snake is not trying to attack you. The snake is trying to defend itself. So you stop and you very slowly back away from it, keeping eye contact with it. Don't, don't take your eye off what it's going to do because they are, they can be very unpredictable as to what, what they're thinking and what they're wanting to do. Nine times out of ten, a snake will just try and defend itself or it will, it will just stand its ground. It won't, there's no snakes that I've ever come across that have chased me across, across the plains. <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> happened. <laughs> and they're not known to do that, except the, I think it's the black mamba and we don't have to worry about them in the Cape. Because right. Because yeah. you don't get them here. That's so right. Those are very territorial snakes. Okay. Let's move away from the, from the snake story. I'm, I'm getting shivers here. Uh, what, what is there to do for, for people who are non-hikers in the Cedarburg? Oh, there's lots. There's lots to do. So, you know, if if it's raining and you can't do the walk or you just have people who don't want to walk, you can get a permit and you can go to um, the rock paintings. And um, Suntriff actually hand out those permits, which are Cape Nature permits, or you can get them from Cape Nature as well. There is the Malhat um, water hole, which is a nice big pool that you can jump off the rock into the water and swim around. It's nice and deep. Which is a fantastic way. If you do the hike, it's a nice way to, to end the hike. And it's not too far from the campsite. It's about right. a half an hour's walk. And it's the kind of walk that you could do as well. Without, <laughs> Thank you. Without breaking into too much of a sweat. <laughs> um, and then there is the wine tasting. There is mm. Suntriff have got the Cedarburg wine, um, winery. So you can go and do wine tasting, which is what exactly what we did. Right. We went and had a swim after the hike and then quickly Got back to the cars, drove the five-minute drive to the the main reception area where the wine tasting is. And the one thing about this wine tasting room, which is quite bizarre compared to Stellenbosch and Franchuk, you know, you, you pull in there and, and there's a couple of people doing a bit of a tasting. You you, you drive into a, a wine farm that is there's, – there's nothing else anywhere around, and it's busy. Wow. <laughs> it's absolutely packed because yeah. it's one of the few things that everyone loves to do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and they've got beer that you can buy there as well. They've got uh, craft beer that they actually make themselves. Um, the, yeah, there's just lots of lots of things to – and you can even take a short walk up to the Valley of the Red Gods where mm. it's rocks 
that look like they've been sculpted out of Asterix and Oblix. Wow. <laughs> that's interesting. Very <laughs> but interesting. it's nature that's done it. Yeah. How do we book? So you can either phone Suntrift. Um, if you don't want to stay at Suntrift, you can do Algeria. You can just Google them and um, the campsite. And both have campsites. Suntrift does have other accommodation as, as we've stayed in. Um, and then you can also book through Cape Nature as well. Okay. How do people contact you, Tim? They can get hold of me um, on email, which is tim at capetownhiking.co.za, or they can follow me on Facebook, which is Cape Town Hiking with Tim Lundy, or if they're tweeters, <laughs> um, they can get hold of me, which is at Hiking Cape Town. There we go. We're going to leave it there. You also have a YouTube channel called Cape Town Hiking. You're on Instagram uh, at Cape Town, uh, Cape Town Hiking. That's it. Th- yeah. That's on Instagram. Tim, thank you so much for coming in tonight. Uh, as usual, a yeah. pleasure chatting to you, and uh, I'm sure you'll be back here next week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there we go. It's uh, just coming up to 9 o'clock, and it's time for Eyewitness News. This, this is Eyewitness News. Good evening, I'm Tabo Baloy. EFF MP Natasha Ntlangwini says the party will ensure Cape Town International Airport is named after the late struggle stalwart Winnie Madikizela Mandela, even if they have to take up arms. Ntlangwini addressed thousands of EFF supporters who marched to the Constitutional Court today, demanding the judiciary be trained to handle sexual violence cases and femicide. She hit out to the media, claiming it ignored today's march the way Madikizela Mandela was ignored. We see you, how you are wanting to erase us the way you have erased Mama Winnie. We are telling you today, we are going nowhere. We will get that Winnie International Airport in Cape Town. Even if we have to take our arms, we will get it, whether today or tomorrow. Now, her statement comes just hours after the EFF leader, Julius Malema, told 702 that there will be no place for violence in an EFF government should it win the elections. Another news exclusive books has explained why it decided to push back the gangster state book launch that was scheduled to take place at the Vienna waterfront last week amid fears of disruptions. The event went ahead last night without any problems. The launch of Peter Louis Maybach's book was stopped after a group of disgruntled ANC Youth League supporters stormed the venue in Johannesburg, ripping apart books and disrupting proceedings earlier this month. The book details the alleged dirty dealings of Ace Mahashule. Kevin Brunt reports. Around 200 people attended the Explosive Book second Cape Town launch at the V&A waterfront last night. Exclusive Book CEO Gretchen Kirk explains why its initial launch date was pushed back. I postponed the event on the advice of the South African police who had engaged with the V&A waterfront and recommended that we do not hold the event as they were busy with a number of service delivery protest marches in Cape Town at the same time. Kirk admits the outlet received backlash after the initial postponement. The insurance company said that we wouldn't be covered if anything happened at the event. We wouldn't have been covered for either personal injury or damage to the store. So I guess I was caught between a rock and a hard place. He also extended an apology to the author. Kevin Brandt, Eyewitness News. And a Guatemalan presidential candidate has been arrested for allegedly plotting to traffic cocaine and have rival candidates assassinated. According to U.S. officials, Mario Estrada and Juan Pablo Gonzalez sought as much as $12 million 
from a Mexican drug cartel in the form of campaign funds in exchange for allowing the cartel to move cocaine through Guatemalan airports. Estrada is also said to have promised to appoint members of the cartel to high-ranking government positions should he become president. Now, he's accused of planning to hire hitmen to kill his political rivals and allegedly named specific targets and provided the assassins with guns. Estrada is a member of the centre-right National Charge Union Party and polls far behind other candidates in the national elections which are expected to take place on the 16th of June. At this hour, gold is trading at $1,274.03 an ounce. The rounds at 14.04 to the dollar, 18.24 to the pound, and 15.77 to the euro. While Brent crude oil is at $72.01 a barrel. A fine Friday ahead for Houding, Johannesburg, dropping to an overnight low of 13 degrees, reaching a high of 27. Pretoria, 14 and 28. Fredenachen, 12 and 26 degrees. A partly cloudy day ahead for Cape Town with light rain, a fresh northwesterly forecast along with a low of 14 and a high of 20 degrees. The top story in Eyewitness News this hour, EFF MP Natasha Ndlangwine says the party will ensure Cape Town International Airport is named after the late struggle stalwart Winnie Madigizela Mandela, even if they have to take up arms. Eyewitness News, in touch, in tune and independent. For the latest, visit 